Welcome to the Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast, where today we will be listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Brent Russell. Thank you, worship team, thank you for leading us in worship. And did you notice Linda has a really nice radio voice? Eh? I was reading, the, hearing the scripture, and I was engaged, and I thought, wow, that's really a nice voice, eh? That's a... We are going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. So if you have a Bible with me, uh, if you have a Bible with you, could you, can I put that here? Is that going to be okay there? Um, things have shifted, eh, in culture. You notice that? Before COVID, we were throwing around this verse, this, uh, this statistic that Evangelical Fellowship of Canada was throwing around that in 1945, when Brent was a little kid, they had um, about 75% of the population went to church on a Sunday morning. In 2019, pre-COVID, do you know what that number was too? Any guesses? 10. Now, has things changed since COVID? So we're way under 10% of the population that is in church on a Sunday morning. That means not that the church is dying, because Jesus is head of the church, right? It's his church. He won't let the church die. But what does it mean about Sunday mornings? We better shift, eh? It was already dying. So what is it that we need to, to do in order to do what uh, the prayers that the three of you prayed, um, those were very important. And Brent, those were very, very important prayers. And all of us that said amen to those prayers, did, I, we said it, amen to something very important there, didn't we? We prayed for each other, obviously, and people in our church family, but we prayed to engage in the community. We prayed to be loving and to find creativity from the Holy Spirit to impact Perth and surrounding area, right? We prayed that prayer together. So what's that look like? What words would we use to describe our culture right now? And don't, don't yell those out, because I don't think those would be good words, right? I don't. But if we had to describe what it is we've just been through, what words come to mind? What words would we use? Try this later on because it is actually being a missionary means that you try to figure out what's going on in our culture, right? You have to use the words that describe what it is that's happening. In, that's just like Jesus in order to use stories and metaphor and parable and teaching in order to communicate, right? To, to connect. So what, what words would we use? Polarizing would be one of the words, right? Not hard to start a fight in Canada, is it? I could do it right now. Want me to try? Just by using one word. Want to try? Two years ago, if I used the word vax, that would have started a good one, right? Or how about masks? How about a few months ago, convoy? That would have good. That's a good one, right? Leafs. That's not a fight, brother. That's not a fight. That's just probably too soon for some of the... Anybody? We won't go there. Donald Trump. That's something. In the church... Fights go on about those words and more. We, if COVID was a test, and I didn't just say COVID was a test, but if COVID was a test, and we had to score ourselves, church, across Canada, how do we do? And I don't think it was brilliant. I just don't think it was brilliant. The stories I heard and the things you saw on TV and how we were represented, church, on, we didn't do well, did we? So what kind of church does Perth have to have in order to hear the gospel? What kind of church does Perth have to be in order for Canada to hear the gospel? And I think it's summed up in, in one word, peace. 
I really, really believe that it's time for the church to discover what it is to be a people of peace. Because think about it. God of peace, Jehovah Shalom, and he's called that 170 times in Scripture. 170 times he's called Jehovah Shalom. God of peace invites us into a covenant of peace. It's called that. You'll see it in Ezekiel and Isaiah, Malachi. So the God of peace invites us into a covenant of peace, and he accomplishes that through Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace. And he preaches a gospel of peace. Peace, 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 right? So when we are pricked and we start to bleed, what should we bleed? Peace. Peace should ooze out of this church. It should ooze out of our arguments at home, even arguments. I said that. If we argue well, we can argue peace into each other's lives. It should be how our families operate. It should be what we look like at work, and it should certainly be what church life is all about. So that people that are looking in on us understand us as a people of, of peace. And the passage that Linda just read in her radio voice and in a beautiful way, is the passage of peace. So if you have your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 4, actually, can we put that scripture back up? The, just the first six verses would be, well, just leave it up and we'll work through it. I want you to look to the, uh, to the end of the story here, verses uh, 4 to 6, if you have your Bibles, 4 to 6. And what you'll see in verses 4 to 6 is one word is used over and over, just one word. It's one word, and I want you to see this one word that when I read it through, you'll see one word that's mentioned. See if you can pick out the one word that is mentioned several times. And would you count the one word that's mentioned seven times when I read the passage? Actually, can you go to the next screen? I think it'll be there. Just see if you'll see one word that's mentioned over and over again. So you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and, and, and in all. And verse, verse four, you'll have seen there's one word that's repeated. See the one word that's repeated? What's the one word? Yeah. You know how many times it's repeated there? Seven. Seven is like um, old-fashioned Hebrew emoji. Because they, they didn't have emoji, right? They, back in the day when the Bible was written. They didn't uh, uh, italicize. They didn't underline. They didn't put bold. So how do, they, how do they emphasize a point? Well, they use literary tools like word order, or they'd repeat a word, or they use numbers, right? Number three, number six. 12, 7. 7 means what? When you see 7, any type of uh, iteration of 7 in Scripture, you're supposed to stop and say, that's an emoji from God. And the emoji is this. It's perfect. And what's the perfect here? Oneness. It's the prayer Jesus prayed for us in John 17. And it's mystery. Because if I, you and I had the conversation right now, we don't have time, Pastor Brent is going to do a message on oneness, and it's going to be worldwide famous. It's going to be awesome. You'll hear from him soon. Oneness is a mystery. Because Jesus said, Father, just as you and I are one in spirit, are one, that they would be one with us, one with each other and one with us. Not that you and I would be gods, right? Not that we would become part of the Godhead, but somehow, mysteriously, part of the oneness. Jesus, Father, Son, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? They are one, three persons, one Godhead. And we can say the words, but if you and I started talking about it, it starts to hurt our head a little bit, eh? 
Like, how are they one and they're three persons? And, which is, I, I think, fantastic because we're pointed to a day that we're going to see more of his nature. One day we'll understand more of what this is about. But on this side of heaven, we celebrate that there's this mystery, this bigness of God. And we are invited into this oneness. And we fight about Donald Trump, right? And we divide and we run away from each other and we move away from the table. And how'd that happen, church? Because there's no mystery in the fight, right? But there's mystery in us figuring out how not to and to live into each other's lives, into this oneness. So the starting point for Paul is oneness. See it in the perfect number that he uses. And see in the verse pre, pre uh, verses four, so see in verse three where he describes why we're even into this. Bond of peace. Do you see that? You and I are, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you are part of this thing called the covenant of peace. What you and I have with each other is peace with God and peace with each other. It's part of the mystery, but it's part of our goal as well. And it's part of the motivation of your actions. It's how you will relate to one another. It's how we do life in a covenant of peace. So that people on the outside looking in see us as a people of, of peace. So, let's go back to verse 1. What you'll see in verse 1 to, um, to, to 3 there is not, here's the list of things, go home and make these right in your life and you, you're good. What it is, is that when we begin to live into this relationship, this covenant of peace, at the same time, we will help each other become these things. This will be true as the Spirit works in us. And here's Paul being very clear. As a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I urge you. Stop for a second. It's kind of a funny first line, isn't it? Why didn't he just say, be completely humble? Why didn't he start the sentence there? he's Paul, right? He's writing. Why didn't he start there? Or why didn't he start at, I urge you? Why did he put the line right before? As a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I urge you. It's a little bit like your mom saying to you, I gave you birth. Go clean your room. Why'd she do it that way? Just so you feel some of the pain, right? You know this is for real. She uses your full name usually when she says that, Clifford, Michael, Fletch. You know, you go do the whole thing. Paul's doing that here. He's underlining, once again, an urgency. He's describing something very, very important in his mind. I urge you, live a life worthy of your calling. Live a life worthy of your calling. Did you just hear blah, 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 be worthy? Because that's not what Paul just said. Because if you just read blah, 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 be as good a person as Linda or Brent, then that's not what Paul is saying. You've heard wrong. And be kinder to yourself and hear the Spirit on this one. What Paul is saying is a little bit like that, probably, Brent, what you and I do at every wedding, right? We, we stand in front of a couple and we facilitate a conversation between them. They exchange vows with one another. They, they entrust each other with each other, right? And Brent, and my job at that place in that time is to help them to live into those vows that they make. You continue to live worthy of the vows that have just been entrusted to you, and you live into those vows fully. That's what we're saying to that couple. Not blah, 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 you're not worthy enough until. It's that you're already entrusting each other with each other. You say you love each other with your whole lives. Now we're saying, live into those vows. 
completely um, entrust yourself or completely uh, steward yourself in such a way or put all your strength into the fullness of what this opportunity is in this relationship. Live into those vows. And that's what Paul is saying. You be worthy of the calling. What's calling? Because if you leave this room, so you got this fantastic youth thing going on here, right? And if you say God called them, what would they look to right away? What would they think? What words did they just hear out of your mouth? Youth that don't go to church would say, well, give me his number. I, I want to see what came up there, right? Because calling is a, is a Christianese term, really, for the most part. When you say calling, you're talking about what? When you have been called, what are you called? Well, there's two parts. There's what we all share. All of us share in our identity in Christ. You are beloved. You are called by God. You are a royal, part of a royal priesthood. You are a servant, and you are redeemed, and you are delivered. You're a disciple. You're, you're listful, and if we had a call-out time right now, you could, would give me other words, that you are called by Jesus, right? By, by called by God. Those are all true for each of you. And God has this amazing capacity to be able to not just do it uh, for all of us, but make it individual, right? You are all individually called us together. So that's shared. We're also all not alone in this. We, we belong to one another. That's shared. Part of our calling is that we live out of this thing called church family, right? Church family is just part of the Bible story. Belonging is part of the Bible story. That's how he does life all through Scripture. And we're all called to be worshipers, and we're all called to be participants in the mission that God calls us to. That's all shared. That's all part of your calling. The other element of calling is your uniqueness, the gifts that he has given you, what it is that you are uniquely able to do with your experiences, the things you've been through, who you are. That's part of your calling. How is it that a, um, a boy raised, I was raised Catholic, you know, and um, not even a, not a good Catholic. I was raised Catholic, and uh, my dad didn't work, so the home, my mom supported for kids, and, and, you know, she came to faith. And so my story uh, bleeds into or lends itself to or creates what it is that I've become, you know. All these pieces of the story, plus particular gifts that he's given me, makes it so that I have this, this special opportunity in this world, special passion, special op You have that too. You're that kind of snowflake in God's mind, right? He's got this unique part. And Paul is saying you live into that calling. Discover it. And church, us together discover what that means. You cheer each other on. You look at each other and say, I see these gifts in your life. I see these passions, these things you've been through. That would really, that would really impact others if you told your story. Live a life worthy of your calling. Would you whisper that to yourself? Because that's a big deal that you've been called by God. And then he says, be completely humble. Actually, humble and gentle there, both uh, completely, the word completely belongs to both humble and gently, gentle. So don't just be humble, but could be completely humble. What's the word humble mean? Do you have a definition? One of the things that I think we should do as church is when you do, go do good Bible study, you should write out definitions for these terms because they may be intuitive to you, but they're not necessarily intuitive to everybody. And biblical peace, for instance, is different than peace outside these doors. Did you know that? 
What we understand as peace is absolutely and intricately connected to Jesus and the Spirit moving. That's not true outside these doors, right? So what's humble? What does the word humble mean? Last time I was here, I gave you a definition of humble, and I did it against pride. So I'm sorry if you think I'm drifting off and I'm having a senior's moment and forgetting. I, I do remember doing this, just so you know. But I think it works, so I'll give it to you, and if you don't think it works, come up with your own and let me know how you do. The opposite of humble is what? Pride. Can you give me a picture of pride? Picture someone at an airport, and they're carrying all kinds of luggage. They got this handful and this handful. In fact, they're loaded down. They got one strapped across this way and one across, and they've got one in their mouth. They're walking through the airport like that, okay? Got that person? You've met that person at the airport? I've met that person at the airport. And if they see you, can they even greet you? No? Then walking through the halls, are they bumping into people? For sure. Do they know they're doing it? Not necessarily. And they're bumping into each other. And all this baggage that we carry around is the stuff of pride. Because you know what's in that baggage? All the trophies that you have. The things you did when you were 10 years old, 20 and 30. And, and you keep it in those bags because you're proud of them. You want people to see it. And what's in those bags, not just the conceit part, but the stuff that have been acted on you. Sin that has hurt you. Trauma that has happened to you that you guard and protect because you're the best person to hold on to it in your mind. You've met that person. Maybe you're that person, right? That you hold on to something that's happened to you and you hold on dearly and you don't tell anybody. That's the stuff of pride. That's why God hates it because you carry around all these... Welcome to bad board meetings, eh? Bunch of people with a whole lot of luggage and a whole lot of pride bumping into each other. Bad marriage too, right? We all do it. We bump into each other with the stuff we're holding on to. So the, if that is pride, what's the opposite of pride? Jesus opening up that luggage and taking out those things and saying, Cliff, that was good. I'm proud of you for getting through that, but you don't need that anymore. You don't have to carry that around. You don't have to prove yourself anymore. Cliff, I know that happened to you. Can we, can we talk that through now? Because I want to heal that area. I don't want you to carry that around anymore. And every time he does that, every day that he walks me through those things, what happens to my luggage? Right? It's smaller and lighter and fewer. And am I bumping into you? Can I help you if you fall down? Humble does that. That's the journey of humble, and it's completely humble that you're invited into. Next word is completely pay, uh, gentle. Complete, you know what this word means, right? It's strength under control, but intuitively we all know this one. So if I told you you had a choice between two dentists, ready? A and B. B did a little better in school, both passed. A is really gentle, B is not. Who do you pick? A every day, right? Gentle all the way, right? Because these are sensitive areas. I, I don't care if you got a 79 or a 90 and this guy got an 83. This guy's going to pull it off, or she's going to pull it off, and I want gentle in my mouth, personally. I want gentle in my marriage. I want gentle in parenting. I want gentle with theology being taught. I want gentle from pastoring. I want gentle in board meetings. I want gentle in every relationship that goes down. Because what's gentle? Well, Jesus is gentle. And it's strength under control, and it has everything to do with how people experience you. It's the tone that you use, the language that you use, is it that the person is being heard and feels safe with you? That's the stuff of gentle. Be completely gentle, church. Next word is patient. And patient isn't just waiting for someone, right? Have you ever waited for your teenager at the 
at school and they were supposed to come to the car. I watched my daughter. She was talking to her friends and I was being patient looking at my watch for 5, 10, 15 minutes. She's right there. Is that patience when she came into the car and I waited, I didn't drive away? Not really. Because she heard about it when she got in the car, right? Patience is sac- Jesus, God patience is sacrificial and it's generous. Read uh, Timothy, read... Um, Oh, Peter, I think it's in Peter and Timothy, where God is described as a patient God. What's he patient? Waiting for everyone who's going to come to come. That's generous and it's sacrificial. Didn't destroy nations because he was waiting on them. Nineveh is an example of his patience, for instance. You can come up with all kinds of examples of patience, God. Um, The father in the prodigal son story. Son is squandering all the money. What's the dad doing? Being patient. You'll see it all through scripture, patient God. And if you read the stories about the turkeys that God was patient with, are you anything like that, patient-wise? Not turkey-wise, but patient-wise? Are you as anywhere near as patient as God is with you? It occurs to me that I'm nowhere near as patient with people as God is with me. I, I've never even thought that way, really. That I have to be as patient as God with the person that is, but you know, they're wrong. You know, I'm hearing that in some of the conversations we're having right now in the Free Methodist Church. They're wrong. Maybe, but God is that kind of patient with them to stay at the table with them to help them understand how and what and why. I've not been that patient in my family as God has been patient with me as his son. And the journey of faith, the journey of, to become a people of peace is to be this kind of generous and this kind of sacrificial, to wait and to wait and to, for sure, the people. I remember uh, we were so excited. We had a youth program. I don't know why I looked at you. You maybe remind me of youth. Um, a youth program. And we were so excited that they were coming to church on a Sunday morning, this, this young group of people that were not connected to church. And, and they came in with their baseball caps and torn jeans. And this is way back in the day. And we had this fellow that went right to them, and he said to the young guys, he said, you take your hat off in the house of the Lord. I wanted to cry, right? And everybody that was invested in this group of people wanted to cry, because what did those kids hear? There was no patience in that, no helping them move towards truth. It was, you do it our way, do it now. Humble, gentle, patient, and bearing with one another. Bearing with one another is not just putting up with, right? You don't bear with Pastor Brent by just putting up with him. That's not bearing with. Bearing with is something more human. You know what bearing with is? We're all quirky. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all sinners. Remember that. And so if I'm quirky and if I'm... Bear with me. Now where I'm wrong, correct me. Where I'm right, celebrate with me. But you know that space that most of us live in most of the time where we're quirky and we make mistakes and we do dumb things? You don't just put up with me. Carry that with me. Journey with me. Journey with a Laugh about that together. Not just say, oh, that's just Cliff. Don't write me off. But journey with me. Help us to understand what it is to be family and not walk away from each other because of quirkiness and mistakes. And you hear that? It's all through scripture, the word forbearance, and it's a big word, and, and I don't want to, just because I'm spending like 30 seconds on it, think that, well, okay, well, we can move by that word. Forbearance, you'll see it all through Paul's writings. It's a big deal, forbearance. It's connected to patience and kindness and generosity and the others. 
a big word. So what kind of church does Perth need? Well, imagine if we were gentle and humble and patient and forbearing with one another. Imagine if that was our marriage. Imagine if that's how we treated our kids. Imagine if that's how we did life here and treated the next controversial topic that creeps up, next election that will happen in Canada. Imagine if the church just shone finally as humble and gentle and patient and bearing with one another. Because that's the stuff of people of peace. Not compromising. There's no compromise in that, is there? But humble and gentle and patient and bearing with one another. Because we are with one another in a bond of peace. Through Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. Into a covenant of peace. Through Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. Who preaches a gospel of peace. Which you and I have been entrusted to and with. And this is our opportunity. I, I hear about your church. Pastor Brennan and I have become good friends and, and I really am looking forward to all things that he has in store for you. Not just in the future, what he's doing now in your lives. And I would pray that as you think through what's going on next, how we have to shift with culture, not compromise, but shift with culture, you remember that we are called to be a people of peace. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for this church family. I thank you for all that you're up to and for what it is that you have in store, what it is that you've done here. I thank you for Linda and Pastor Brent. I thank you, Father, for the gifts they bring into this church life, the, the love that they have for this church family and that is, is reciprocated. I thank you for them. We pray your strength on them, your vision all over them, your energy and your gift of power and love and anointing in all that they jump into. Father, for this church family, I thank you. Thank you for the love that they share. I thank you for the first prayer that was prayed, that a thank you prayer for the, in 2017, the love that was given and the love that continues. And I hear that story here, and I thank you for that. And now I pray with church family here, Jesus, that you would teach us what it is to continue to live into what it means to be a people of peace, because Canada needs it. If we used words earlier, we would have used polarization and conflict and pulled apart and anger and fear and all kinds of negative words and some hope. But I think the real hope, Father, is in us, the church, becoming a people of peace, really living into that. So teach us what that looks like, Jesus. We pray that in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week on Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast. Make sure to visit our website at asburyfmperth.com where you can subscribe and never miss a show. If you'd like this broadcast, you might want to check out our Facebook page, Asbury Free Methodist Church. Until next week, take care and God bless.